All right, so most of you know, or at least some of you know, that I have two lovely daughters who I love very, very much, and their names are Copeland, who is almost seven, and Elliot, who is almost seven months. And it's crazy to see how different they are, which I know Elliot's only seven months, so... I mean, she's a baby, but even still, like her personality and Copeland's personality, even though Elliot's really young, are very different, Different, but there are things about them that are very similar to me. Like because they're my children, they have things that are like me, but those things are very different. But you know when you're like so similar with somebody that you guys kind of butt heads a little bit? That like you're so similar with somebody that it causes friction and it can be a sibling, a friend, that sort of thing. Well, that's me and my oldest daughter, Copeland, okay? We are very, very similar. And Copeland and I, we are very, I was going to say stubborn, but let's say strong-willed because that feels better, right? I'll just own it. I'm extremely stubborn. You can ask anybody who's close to me. If I just decide to dig my heels in on something, that's it. I'm not going to change my mind. There's nothing you can do to make that. So anyways, that's how Copeland and I are very strong-willed. And so we, because of that, we kind of argue a little bit, a lot of bit. And so um, there was this one time Copeland and I got into an argument, and I'm actually pretty embarrassed to tell you this story, but I actually won the argument, so I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, <laughs> I know, she's seven. Anyway, so one time I'm cleaning the kitchen, and I just start singing this song, and it's the theme song to a segment on Sesame Street. And so when Copeland was young, we really loved Sesame Street. She loved Elmo, Cookie Monster, Big Bird, all the favorites, right? But there's this one particular section that she loved, and it was called Murray Had a Little Lamb, which is basically Mary had a little lamb, but with a monster named Murray, and the little lamb's name was Ovahita, which is Spanish for little lamb. And so I'm cleaning the kitchen, and I start singing the song, because it just pops into my head, and it sounds like this. I mean, it's like to go. Look, he follows her to school each day. They run, they spin daily. Yo, everybody loves to see a monster and his sheep, and they all say, Murray, 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 Murray has a little lamb. Murray has a little lamb. Murray has a little lamb. And that's now stuck in your head forever. You're welcome. Anyways, I start singing that song and like the whole family starts singing it because it was like a thing. We used to watch Sesame Street together all the time. So we all kind of sang it, had fun. And then as we're like winding down the song, I was like, Copeland, did you know that ovejita means little lamb in Spanish? So it's like Mary had a little lamb. Murray had a little lamb. She's like, no, it doesn't. And I was like, no, no, but it does. And she's like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, no, you, that's a good joke. Ha ha ha. It does mean that. And she's like, no. No, yes, no, yes. And so we start to argue. And like I said, we're both strong-willed, stubborn. And so we're arguing, and I, I get it. I'm a grown man. She's a seven-year-old. I'm arguing with a seven-year-old. I understand how that looks. No, it doesn't, Dad. Yes, it does, Copeland. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, yes, no, yes, no. On and on and on. Finally, to the point where like we're kind of still play fighting, but it's starting to like the spice is there. Like it's starting to get hot, starting to get heated a little bit. And I'm just like, 
it means little lamb in Spanish. She's like, no, it doesn't. It means anything else. I'm like, I don't even know what to do right now. And so I'm embarrassed, but I start to lose my mind in a way that's not flattering for a grown man to do. And so I like, I Googled it straight up. Boom, lawyered. It says ovahita means little lamb. And she's seven. She doesn't care about Google or what that has to say. She decided that she was right. And that was the end of it. And so I like... I'm starting to lose my mind, starting to get really frustrated. And we get to the point where I have Google Translate open. And I'm like, what does overheater mean? And it sounds like we're saying overheater. It's a whole thing. I'm yelling. She's yelling, overheater. And it's like, little lamb. I'm like, see, see. And she's like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, great. <sighs> awesome. So, and, and like, we're just continuing to argue. And, and my daughter, I love her so much. She's so strong, so strong-willed, so mighty. But arguing with her is not like arguing with like a normal person. It's like arguing with a waterfall or like the sun or a hurricane. She is overwhelming and she is very strong. And so I was like, fine, you're right. You win. I give up. But what actually happened is I decided to take the high road because if I choose to be humble and lose with grace, that means I won, right? She doesn't know that. But anyways, and so I, look, I know. Yeah, she's up there. She's commenting. Um, I know. I'm a grown man. I should not be arguing with a seven-year-old like I did, but I straight up could not help it. But this is a regular occurrence in our household. Copeland and I argue, and neither one of us want to quit because we're both so similar. Because she's my daughter, we are very alike. And just like we are alike, we are like our Heavenly Father. And last week, we started a series called My Bio, and it focuses on our identity in Christ, right? And, and knowing how we are like God. And this week, I want to talk to you about how we are made in his image and his likeness and how that determines our identity in him. And for us to understand who God made us to be, we have to understand who he is. And that's our first point tonight. We have to understand who he is to understand who we are. So like last week when Pastor Jail was saying that there are parts of our bio that are true for all of us, right? We are wanted. We are God's children. We, are his, we have his spirit and we are his heir. Those are true of all of us, right? And that's where, that's like, those are the baked in. That's like you bake a cookie, there's just cookie, right? That's just part of the thing. Because we are Christians, because we are children of God, that just comes with the territory, Genesis 1, and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So it says there that we are made in his image and his likeness. And when I first read this, I thought it was really interesting that it used image and likeness because at like first glance, those kind of mean the same thing, right? Like to be made in his image and to be made in his likeness is like, isn't that just saying the same thing twice? But I, I started to look it up. I looked it up in the Hebrew and the word image there is speaking um, specifically. It says reflecting some of God's own perfection perfect in knowledge, in righteousness, and holiness, and when with dominion over the creatures. So we are made as a reflection of God, meaning we carry certain parts of God's character. We carry attributes of God that show everybody in the world that we are a Christian, and that's true of all of us. Everybody that's a child of God can be seen as a child of God because of his image, but it's in his likeness. It's in his likeness where our uniqueness comes out. 
The word likeness in the Hebrew in this verse is, is the word de- demuth. Uh, it's D-E-M-U-W-T-H. I can't, I don't know. Don't know how to say it. But that means a shape. But the context implies that it's not just a shape. It's more than a shape. It's a specific shape. In, in particular, a unique shape. And in this instance as well, it's speaking of a unique shape that a replica is patterned after or shaped after. It's like if a sculptor were to make a hundred statues of, this, of his own reflection, right? You'd have a hundred statues, but every one of them would be slightly different. Every one of them would be unique because he's not going to be able to individually recreate the same thing over and over again because your focus changes. They're just different, right? It's the same image, the same source, but it's a different appearance. And his likeness is where our uniqueness comes from. That's where we get our personality traits, our talents, our gifts, our likes, our dislikes. Everything about you that makes you you comes from the likeness of God. We are all from the same image, but there are unique qualities in all of us. So to truly understand who we are and our uniqueness and who he created it to be, we must understand and know who he is. And when you know some of the attributes of God, it shows you a picture of who we are aiming to be, who we're aiming to become, because there are parts of God, parts of his character that make him God that we can't attain. Like he's all present all the time. Can you be everywhere once? I can't. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, never-changing, perfect in every way. Those are the things that establish him as creator, as God. Those are the things that separate him from us. But there are parts of his character, parts of his nature, parts of his likeness that we are supposed to strive to be. Faithfulness, kindness, lovingness, patience, joyfulness, peacefulness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These are all characters and they're known as the fruits of the spirit, but these are all characteristics of God that we are created to model. We can base our bio uh, off of knowing the character of God, knowing who we are in his image, but we, we get that likeness, our uniqueness defined by him because we ask and he shows us what it means to be like him. Now, unfortunately, There's a plan in place to keep you from knowing who you are, right? Because when you know who you are, you know whose you are, you become very powerful and very dangerous to the enemy, to Satan. And so Satan will use all kinds of lies to get you to believe in insecurities and and all that stuff. You see, because God knows who you are, he wants you to know. He wants you to tell you so that you have strength, so that you have power. You have something to wield against the enemy. But the enemy wants to distort that image by lying to you about who you should be. So we need to know the difference about who God says you are, which is true, and who the enemy is trying to get you to think you should be, which is a lie. And that's our second point. We have to know the difference between who he says you are and who the enemy thinks you should be. The enemy will use things like pride and insecurity to get you to believe lies about yourself. You see, insecurity and pride, they're the same thing. They're just different sides of the same coin. And and so... Satan will will lie to you with insecurity to obscure your vision about who God says that you are. And and he's the father of lies. So he wants nothing more to destroy who you are. He wants to come and steal and kill and destroy and keep you from becoming who God made you to be. And so if he can get you to believe lies about yourself, if he can get you to believe in the insecurities and the things that we struggle with, he doesn't really have to do much of the work, right? Because when we believe in these insecurities, we're our own worst enemy. You see, insecurity is commenting on God's creation negatively. And being focused on what is wrong with us or what we don't like about ourselves is prideful. 
Like I said, it's prideful. Insecurity and pride are the two different sides of the same coin. And it's prideful because we're putting ourselves in our own opinion over what God said about us, right? We're thinking we know better. We're thinking we have a better plan for how we should have been made than God. And that's a dead giveaway that it's from the enemy. It's a dead giveaway because God would never be critical or destructive about his own creation. He would never say those things to you and he made you in his image and his likeness. So why should we be so hard on ourselves? It's like if we, let's pretend this is a mirror, okay? I couldn't get a mirror this big because they're really expensive. And so Sarah's gonna come up here and stand in. So let's pretend this is a mirror and you look in and you see your reflection, right? And you see who God made you to be. And, and so every time the enemy tries to lie to you and get you to believe a lie, it's like he paints over your reflection. So, so Sarah's gonna grab a marker. And, and so he'll say things like, man, I'm stupid. And, and you'll believe it, right? We'll bite into this insecurity. Or, or I'm, man, I'm, I'm ugly. I don't really like the way I look. Or, or I hate how disorganized I am. I, I hate that I'm so slobby. I, I wish I had her looks. Or I wish I was strong like that guy. Man, I'm, I am so, so weak. I, 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 wish, I wish I were taller. I, I wish I could lose weight. I, I, I can't change. I don't know how to change and, 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 I, and I hate myself. These are all lies that the enemy tries to get us to take the bait and bite and believe. And, and so everybody's looking at me or, or everybody's talking about me by my, by, behind my back. I, I hate myself. Nobody else loves me, so, so why should I, right? Why should I love myself? And it's a lie from the pit of hell that you should not love yourself, right? We, we kind of hear this idea, this concept of you need to love yourself. You need to be kind to yourself. And there's this, this like twist on it where you're like, well, that doesn't seem right. That seems like that's not something God would want us to do because that seems prideful to care about myself. That seems arrogant to care about myself. So we, we buy into this lie where we like destroy ourselves in order to become more godly. And that's just a flat out lie. That's just not true. You see, you can't, you have to care for yourself. You have to love yourself. We can't truly love another person if we can't love ourselves. We can't truly care for another person if we can't care for ourselves. We don't have the energy to serve others, to do what God has called us to do if we don't take care of ourselves first. And that starts with knowing who God made you to be and intentionally choosing to love that person. And so, like Sarah's reflection now, she can't even see it. It's so obscured by the lies of the world and the, and the smearing of the enemy. And so when we choose to believe what God says, it's like picking up that eraser and, and wiping those away. And so every time we choose to hear the truth, every time we choose to hear what God has to say about us and let it hit our heart, let it resonate, it's like he wipes away a little bit. He says that you are beautiful. He says that you are intelligent. He says that you are enough. He says that you're wanted. He says that you are more than a conqueror, that you are from above and not below, that you are the head and not the tail, that you are loved and wanted and mighty and strong. God wants you. And so if we listen to him, we can see the clear picture of who he wants us to be. You see, God is not surprised by your individual quirks. He's not surprised by who you are. He's not surprised by, by the things you struggle with or, or your insecurities. He's not surprised by the way you were made because he made you, right? Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. 
Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. I love this scripture because it says, God knit you together. And like, if you really think about it, knitting is an intentional act. Like you don't just throw yarn and knitting needles down a hill and bam, you have a sweater. No, it, it's a, it takes skill. It takes knowing how to knit. It takes a pattern. Like you have to know what you're doing, the knit one, purl two, all that stuff. It takes intentional action. You don't just randomly have a sweater without purpose. It takes purpose, which shows us that God made us on purpose, with a purpose. He made us with intention. So anything that's happening in here, in here, he's not surprised by. He knows you. He created every part of you, and he created you with the ability to overcome those insecurities. Insecurity will rob you of peace. It will rob you of your purpose. It will rob you of what God has for you in your life. He wants you to be confident in who he created you to be. He wants you to love you. He gave us the ability to overcome those insecurities, whatever it might be, whether it's eating or, or struggling with reading or, or not liking the way you look, not liking who you are to your friends, that sort of thing. God made you with the ability to overcome. And just because it's the way you are doesn't mean it's the way you should stay. Just because it's the way you are doesn't mean it's the way you stay. Everybody has habits. Everybody has stuff they get hung up with or struggle with. And God didn't give us those things to accept mediocrity in our lives. He wants us to be excellent. He wants us to step past those hurdles. And so he created us with the ability to overcome our insecurity. But, but how do we do that? How do we get past the insecurity? How do we get past these struggles, these hurts, these hangups? By delighting in the Lord is how. Our point three tonight is delight in God by loving who he made you to be. Psalm 37, four says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. I would say, it's probably safe to say, we would all actually desire to like ourselves, right? We would all actually really like to love who God created us to be. Wouldn't it be great if we could look in the mirror and actually smile at ourselves? Wouldn't it be great if we could look in the mirror and actually love who's looking back at us? To actually enjoy that person. Wouldn't it be great if we could know that we are made in God's image and his likeness? You see, not too long ago, I was, I was personally struggling with this topic, the, the insecurity, the, the not believing in who God made me to be, the struggling with this whole, if I delight in the Lord, he'll give me the desires of my heart, and I desire to be confident in who God made me to be. I desire to be on fire after God. And, and so I'm, I'm sitting here wrestling with it, and I, I just, I'm being honest with you guys, I don't get it. Like, it's frustrating. I, I'm getting sidetracked. I don't understand what it means to delight in the Lord because if I, if I delight in the Lord, that means I should want to read scripture every day, all day, every day, right? If I delight in the Lord, that means I should want to worship. That means I should want to be a better Christian, a better person. But, but there's this sin, this fleshly desire inside of me that just wants to sit around and do nothing. So how can I delight in the Lord if all I ever want to do is do nothing, if I can't even find the motivation to do the things I know that I should be, right? And so I'm praying about this and I'm struggling. And I'm like, God, I, I don't get it. What does this mean? And God very gently and lovingly said to me, it's really hard to delight in me when you don't even like yourself. 
You see, we were created in his image and his likeness. We are his reflection. And when we stare ourselves in the mirror and we rip ourselves to shred, we're speaking, we're not only speaking about ourselves, but we're speaking directly about the image of God. Let me ask you a question. Would you talk to God the way you talk to yourself? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm my own worst enemy. I'm my own worst critic. I'm the first one there to tell me how bad I did on something, to to rip myself apart. But when we look at ourselves unkindly, we're not only speaking about ourselves, but we're directly speaking about God himself. We're made in his image and his likeness. So that makes it impossible to delight in him. So that makes it impossible to get the desires of our heart, right? Delighting in God starts with delighting in yourself. Delighting in God starts with loving the person he made you to be. Genesis, earlier I was talking about Genesis 1.27. And then in, in this story, it's talking about the creation story, how God created all of the earth, all the heavens and all that stuff. And, and I want to pick it back up in verse 27, but there's this really interesting thing in here that I think is kind of the key to getting this, to understanding why God feels this way about us. And so back in, excuse me, in verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all of the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food, and I've given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And this is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very Good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. You see, every day in the creation story, when God created the earth, he looked back and said it was good. When God separated the skies and the waters and the light and the dark, everything he created, he looked back and he said it was good. But on the sixth day, when he made us, when he made man and woman in his image, he said that it was very good. It's the only time that distinction is in that story. Every other time it says good, but when he created you and me, he said that it is very good, which means God says, you're exceptional. You're above the rest. You are head and shoulders above anything else I created. God loves you. He delights in you. He made you with a purpose and and he made you to have characteristics like him. He made you that way. But just because it's the way you are doesn't mean it's the way you stay, right? With those struggles, those, those insecurities. You see, God is our father. He delights in you. He can't take his eyes off of you. And I know that there's some of us in the room that have, that have not had an easy time with an earthly father, right? There's some of us in the room that, that have been hurt by an earthly father. And I pray that you would hear this truth. I pray that this would hit your heart, that God is a good father and he only wants what's best for you. He loves you. He thinks you're amazing. He thinks that it's amazing that you have freckles or that you prefer red over blue. He thinks it's amazing that you pour the milk before the cereal. He thinks it's amazing that you would count by odd numbers instead of even. He thinks it's amazing that you're fast, that you're strong, that you're smart, that you prefer reading over writing. He thinks that you are incredible. And I pray that you would hear this truth because we run the risk of painting God with the face of our earthly father. 
And we can spend our lives wondering why God hurt us. But in reality, what's happening is that there is a human being who is entrusted with us who's also hurt, who doesn't know who they are, who doesn't understand who God made them to be. And so they're, they're struggling under this insecurity, this, this obscurity, this, this idea that the world expects something out of me and I don't know who I am. I don't know how to handle this. And so it causes this cycle of hurt, hurting people hurt people. But when we know who we are, when we know who God created us to be, we can be in true relationship with one another. We can be truly who God created us to be. We can do the things he called us to achieve, to go after when we know who we are. And so, so much like last week as we close tonight, I want us to, I want us to all kind of get into our own, our own space a little bit. And I want us to all kind of start to listen for the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm, I'm saying we're made in his image and his likeness and our uniqueness comes from his likeness. So, so I want us all to ask, God, what's unique about me? Holy Spirit, how, why did you create me this way? What is the purpose of this quirk? For someone in the room, he's saying, I'm, I made it to where you struggle with schoolwork so that one day you can encourage somebody else who struggles with schoolwork. Somebody who else, who doesn't believe in themselves that you made it, that you were successful. There's somebody in the room, he says, you're strong because your younger siblings need you. you bold so that you could stand up for injustice, so that you could stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. He made you funny so that you could make somebody feel more comfortable and feel like somebody sees them and likes them. He loves to hear you sing. Father, God, I pray that you would show every single one of us who you made us to be in your likeness, God. And we thank you that we're made in your image, that we, we are your heir. We are your children. We have your spirit, God. We thank you that we, we can become 
more and more like you every day. And, and Holy Spirit, I pray right now, every, every person who can hear my voice, that they would start to feel you, feel your presence, God, that you would overwhelm them with the sense that, that you're with them, God, and that you would reveal that likeness, God, that uniqueness about them and the purpose behind it, God. And I pray that you would empower us to walk into our daily lives knowing who we are, knowing whose we are so that we can walk past the lies of the enemy, the struggles of this world. God, I, I bind and break in every single person in this room the spirit of insecurity, God, and the spirit of pride. God, I pray that you would remove that from all of us and that you would loosen us a confidence, but a confidence in you. God, we know we can't do anything without you. So God, I pray that you would be with us in every moment, revealing to us why we are the way that we are. And God, for every person in here who struggles with the image of their earthly father and confuses it with you, God, I pray that you would bind and break every broken heart about a father's abuse, God. That you would remove that. And God, that you would restore in our hearts a good godly, heavenly Father. God, that we would see you as the good and loving Father that we are, that we can come to you, that we can trust you, that we can know that you are working things out on our behalf, that we can know that you really do have our best interest at heart. And it's because, it's because you love us. It's because that's who you made us to be. God, we thank you that we're made in your image and in your likeness, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, I hope as you, as you go out into the world, God, that you, that you guys would listen, that you guys would hear what the Holy Spirit has to say about your uniqueness, about your likeness, and that you would use it to overcome, that you would use your bio, who you are, to face your challenges. But we're going to break into small groups now, and if you have any questions or you need prayer, come talk to us. We love you so much. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.